Our Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people on the whole entire planet, Ariel. Hi. How have you been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. Normally, we talk every two weeks at least. And because we recorded our Titane episode a week early, we haven't talked. And I feel like I realized I was going through Ariel with I know. I felt that way, too. (laughs) It had been way too long. (laughs) It felt weird. And I was talking to you a little bit on the Discord. And I was like, why, why am I feeling like... I, I'm not getting, a, I'm feeling weird. And I realized it was because <laughs> we, we had not talked. talked for an extra week. I felt <laughs> I like disconnected. Yes. I was like, have I, have I been neglecting this friendship? What's going on? And I was like, oh no. Oh, Rachel. We just recorded a week early. <laughs> Calm down, Rachel. It's got to be fine. <laughs> so it's been three whole weeks. What has been going on with you? Anything weird, exciting? So no packages have mysteriously arrived in my apartment i haven't had i'm convinced it's the humpty dance upstairs i think you might be be. right yeah i can't Mm -hmm. quite figure out why but i got a new neighbor i think i told you that the last time we talked Mm -hmm. that i had a new neighbor that moved in upstairs yes and i was Uh so happy because he was blissfully quiet compared to the last guy no i will survive and i was wrong (laughs) oh no what is he doing? And is he cute? So I actually have single? never seen this person. I don't know even what he looks like. I saw the back oh of gosh. him one time and that's like walking up the stairs and that's it. I'm getting very Tom Hanks with Ryan <laughs> vibes here. Is this going to be a no. Christmas romance? No. Okay. No. This is a, a little bit different. Every Wednesday and every Wednesday. Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night. Okay. Bi-weekly. Got it. Got it. He has very loud sex with someone up there oh it is and i mean but it's scheduled like every wednesday yes okay Mm -hmm. like they have a schedule to keep an appointment you might say (laughs) yeah it's it's weird it's like it's like they're really oh no i was (laughs) i was gonna say they're really anal about it but that's not Now who's the dude in the house? <laughs> so when I say loud, okay, I when I was younger moved to Santa Barbara. Well, Isla Vista, and I lived in this shitty apartment complex with a bunch of other kids who were going to UC Santa Barbara, and huh. it was very close proximity, and everybody was right. you know nineteen, twenty years old, and they were right. all right. you know going at it like rabbits. It was very right. loud. I swear this guy is louder. <laughs> It's really? so loud, Rachel. The woman that he is sleeping with is so loud. Is it both of them or just her? It's mostly her, but it is both of them. Oh, it's God. real loud, uncomfortably <laughs> loud. The last guy I could hear is headboard banging and his music. Uh huh. But I'm hearing everything, Rachel. Every moan, <laughs> every groan, <laughs> every groan. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> so. <laughs> Do they ever say anything weird? So far, they've not said anything strange. But I was telling okay. you that I had my nephew over this last weekend. Oh, no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> did you have to have the birds and the bees conversation? Oh, I mean, he's 16. I feel like, like okay. that's probably already been taken care of. But okay. okay. <laughs> you never know. Post but we were school. playing cards and I just kept turning the music up louder. And finally I was like, let's go take a walk. Let's get out of here. We'll take Is the dog like, for a walk. How long? Would you say it's 60 minutes? Probably pretty close to that. It's very long, very drawn out, and very loud. And it's so loud that it's not cover. You can't cover it up. It's not ignorable. <laughs> it just makes me feel uncomfortable because really? I feel like I know too much about how these people sound when they orgasm. I cannot. Oh, <laughs> I cannot wait for you guys to have your meat cute at the at the mailbox. No, thank you. <laughs> but you know, I'm going to want to know everything when you do accidentally bump into him. <laughs> so I will just say, I hope she is well compensated for her time. It sounds like she is putting in the work. Yes. So I hope that he is paying her a very, you know, cost of living adjusted <laughs> price for her services. Yeah, one would hope. One would hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are very pro-sex work here on the More Deadly Podcast, as long as you are being well compensated and it is a consensual and... A hundred percent. Just maybe get some sound Enthusiastic choice. That's all I'm saying. Yes. What is going on in your building that there is no insulation? Yeah. Because it seems like... Is there some sort of a ley lines for horniness that meets <laughs> in the apartment above yours that draws the horniest people? I don't understand it, Rachel. I have lived in apartments for most of my life, and I have never had this experience before. I don't know what's going on. But when I moved in here, nobody lived upstairs, so I had no idea that it was going to be this – there was so much sound transfer. I had no clue. Do you hear your other neighbors or just specifically the one above Mostly you? Mostly the what... one above me. I hear everybody when they're in the stairwell. And then mm -hmm. my neighbor across the hall from me, we share a bathroom wall. Mm -hmm. And I hear everything that happens in that bathroom as well. And I'm sure that they hear everything that happens in that bathroom. Incredibly unfortunate. <laughs> that is incredibly uh -huh. unfortunate. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I almost think you're better off with the above neighbor. Yeah. So the, the people who lived there about a year ago, they used to, every time somebody would go in the bathroom, they would switch on really loud mariachi music because I think they were trying to cover up other sex. Because they had heard other uh -huh. people, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, if we're going to be on the thunder bucket, we need to have a little distraction. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Do we cut that? Do we leave it in? <laughs> oh, that's leave I'm leaving that in. 100%. That's great. Great. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying you could do worse than a mariachi situation yes. if you if you need a little camo. Yep. Yep. Auditory camo. <laughs> Producer Randy is furrowing his brow at me. <laughs> well, I can't beat that. So let's get into what we're talking okay. about this week. All right. So I'm very excited because this is a very special, extra festive holiday edition of the More Deadly podcast. Okay. So we all know I'm a huge I, or maybe we don't. I am a huge Christmas fan. I love the season. I get into it. And, you know, this is the season of hope, of generosity, of your love for your fellow mankind. And there's just that little bit of extra magic that is in the air at this time of the year. The sense of possibility, mm -hmm. which is why we chose this episode to cover <laughs> 
Silent Night, <laughs> the holiday horror film directed by Camille Griffin. <laughs> oh, that was quite the setup. I like it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, which we shall get into. But before we do any of that, can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is here on More Deadly in case this is their first time joining us? Yeah. So in a minute here, Rachel is going to give you some information about the director and the movie and how it was made. And then we are going to give you our non-spoiler thoughts about whether you should check this one out. And then after that, we will spoil every inch of the movie. Beginning, ending, twists, turns, whatever. We're going to spoil it. Yes. We'll give you time to get out. Yep. So stick with us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's get into this. Let me tell you a little bit about our director, Camille Griffin. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. So Camille Griffin is a British writer, director, and co-producer. Before that, she trained in the camera department and worked for 13 years as a clapper loader. Oh, wait. Is the clapper the thingy they say cut and stuff with? It is. Oh, okay. okay. So I, I had to look it up because clapper loader is such an awesomely old yes, it sounding is. word. And, you know, there's just parts of filmmaking that we have, I think, unless you're a filmmaker or more enmeshed in that world, just kind of slide under the radar, mm-hmm. right? But so the clapper loader is actually really an important part. They, okay, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> okay, the clapper loader is also known as the second assistant camera oh. or the second AC. It's part of a film crew, the film crew whose main function is the loading of raw film stock into the camera magazines and operating the clapper board slate at the beginning of uh, each take. Marking the actors as necessary and maintaining all records of paperwork for the camera department. Oh, damn. That does sound like an important job then. Right. And so back when everything was shot on film, they were also the person that was in charge of the negatives. They were the Ooh. only person that had contact with negatives. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since then, she has uh, written and directed seven short films that screened at over 20 international film festivals. And Silent Night is actually her feature film debut. Oh, wow. So she studied filmmaking at Bournemouth Film School in the UK. And uh, The Binger, or The Bing, Binger, The Binger, I don't know how to say it, <laughs> in Amsterdam, where she graduated from both their writer and director's labs. In an interview with womeninhollywood.com, she said that making films is something that she has always wanted to do. Here's a little quote from her. Ever since I can remember, I've loved cinema. Films gave me courage, and I never wanted to do anything else. Wow. Yes. And we'll get into the struggle of making that happen in just a minute. So in that same interview, she offered advice to her fellow female filmmakers. Oh, cool. It's a bit long, but I think it really speaks to both her personal ethos, but also kind of it's revealing about what, you know, what it's like to be and what it takes to be a female filmmaker. Awesome. Okay. Tell your stories and stand up for yourself, your voice, your vision, and whenever you can support other women, support the underrepresented, share your good fortune and don't be greedy. Be respectful of how precious these opportunities are. Most importantly, train in your craft. Don't rush. Don't be impatient, which is the hardest lesson in life. Be good at what you do. Study, prepare, and practice. Prove to everyone that women should be given a landscape to make films. Be excellent. So when it happens, no opportunity is wasted. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a great book. I think it's really, really good advice, and I think it's also really illustrative of the stakes yeah. that women filmmakers face. I mean, I think it's there's high stakes for anyone, regardless of, you know, who's trying to get into filmmaking, because it's 
a coveted role and it's a limited kind of it's a it is kind of a zero-sum game right but it's especially true that women have to prove themselves that they can do it that they can be you know they can fill the role and and command the respective crew but also have financial success right right? because they can people always will fall back on that excuse of like well you know they don't you know these movies don't make as much money well yeah because you never give anybody a freaking chance so (laughs) you can't prove a negative right anyway so i thought that was really interesting she's actually also not the only person in her family who is in the movie business did you know this no Okay, interesting. This will be interesting then. Okay. All right. So her husband, Ben Davis, is a cinematographer. Okay. Which, whatever. Normally, we don't talk about like, what the husbands do. But this actually does matter. Okay. Because her three sons are also actors. Do you have any idea what oh, movie shit. they were in? Oh, shit. Are they in this movie? They are in this movie. <laughs> so she has twin boys and an older boy. And they play yes. Art and the twins? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, that's so cool. Yes. They are Roman Gilby and Hardy Griffin Davis, which is why I mentioned her husband, Ben Davis, and she is Camille Griffin. Wait, is that the kid that was in Jojo Rabbit, too? That is the oh, kid that was in Jojo shit. Rabbit. Oh, shit. He did And look we're going to talk about that, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while film and filmmaking is something that is definitely runs in her family and that they have had success, her husband is a su- successful cinematographer, it doesn't mean that getting this movie made was easy for Camille. Okay. She ultimately was able to finance it through private equity, but it, that came at the end of 20 years of training, writing, applying, working in the industry, honing her craft, making shorts, writing scripts, trying to get them made, finally having them fall through over and over again, repeat, 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 Jeez. before she was finally able to get the funding that she needed to make this movie. Wow. Yeah, 20 years. That's incredible. Jeez. Yeah. Yes. She said she spent years hovering on a short list and then she came to a realization. Again, this is from that same interview on womeninhollywood.com. I realized I was looking to the gatekeepers for their approval, their permission to make films, and it wasn't working. It was endlessly painful and confusing, and I had to believe that my work carried some value, yet they didn't want to fund my films. I had to either give up entirely or find another way. I gave up on them, and eventually I gave myself the courage to look elsewhere for support. Oh, what a badass. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this actually, I'm glad you brought up Jojo Rabbit, because obviously her eldest son right. is the star of that. And this actually partially happened to her while she was on set of Jojo Rabbit, because she was there, obviously, um, as a parent on set for her son, right? Okay. Uh, and she was watching along as Taika Watiti was making the film, and she had this sort of realization that you could talk about anything even really difficult things as long as you were able to sort of couch them in comedy. oh smart gotcha uh-huh mm-hmm. you see where yes, this is going yes. right so after that she kind of like rushed home and banged out the script for silent night which we're gonna get into but is about a lot of really really dark subject matter like classism greed the environment and then for her in particular she was thinking about way- the ways that she feels she has failed her children mm, okay mm-hmm. After it was done, it took about two or so weeks to write. She told what? her husband that yeah, she wrote the whole script yeah. in two weeks. Apparently. Oh my god, I feel like <laughs> such a failure. That's incredible. I know. I know. Well or you could see that you're you could think of it as you're only two weeks away from writing I your guess first that's amazing true. screenplay. <laughs> 
there's also that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So she told her husband that she was going to reach out to director Matthew Vaughn, who is the director of Kick-Ass and the Kingsman. She had worked with him before, as did her husband. And so they had like a pre-existing relationship with him. But her husband was like, yeah, this is not the kind of movie that he makes. He makes action movies. He's not going to want to hear about your, you know, apocalyptic (laughs) family drama at Christmas. So she called and she was like, well, listen, fine. That's not my expectation. I'm thinking maybe he has some advice for me. So she reached out to him, told him the story. And his response was, let's make it. Oh, wow. So he was the private equity investor behind the this Oh, film. okay. So the cast for this movie, which I think is pretty freaking incredible, especially for a first-time filmmaker. I know. I'm actually shocked that you said first-time because this is an mm-hmm. all-star cast. I mean, it really so is. many great comedians and dra- dramatic actors in this. It's mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. So it actually all started with Kira Knightley. She sent her the script and Kira instantly connected with it, even oh, though she wow. described it as one of the most fucked up things she'd ever read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so with her attached, they were able to reach out sure. to more people and then attracted a lot more talent like Matthew Good, Lucy Punch, Lily Depp, uh, Rose Depp, and Kirby Howell Baptiste all signed on. I don't know if you recognized one of the actors in this. Did she look familiar to you from a recent film? Are you talking about the little girl? I'm actually referring to the character of Sandra, who is the attractive woman who's in love with... Oh, oh, yeah. She was in Malignant, right? I know! I was like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and she's really, I was, really good in this. <laughs> she was. I was trying to place her for almost the entire movie, and then it finally dawned on me at the end. She just needed brown hair. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. The blonde yep, yep. hair threw me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So the film was shot in London, and it was one of the very last films to wrap there before lockdown. Oh. Yeah. Which is probably why it was able to have such a big cast and such close proximity. Right, right. Which, as dark as this movie is, was so... I know. Aspirational to have a house full of your friends, all just Mm -hmm. carefree, dancing together and talking loudly breathing hard and not being that little thing in the back of your mind like what if so i mean like i get it's the end of the world but at the same time it was very it just i don't know just i i it was nice i long Mm -hmm. for community okay so okay it premiered at the 2021 toronto international film festival and went on to win best screenplay and the audience award in the official selection of the stages international fantastic film festival of catalonia Oh, that's cool because it really should win awards for the script. It's such a good script, <laughs> and the oh, the performances are yeah. The, oh, her son is incredible. I know he basically steals the show. He's so Damn, good. He's so good. All right. So next up, Camille actually has two projects in the works. The first one is a sci-fi drama called Conception, and that will reunite her with the star of this, Kira Knightley. Oh, okay. Yes. The story is set in the near future when the British government takes authoritarian rule over parenting. It follows a rigorous license officer, played by Knightley, who is a firm believer in the controversial system and upholds it until an unexpected event imperils her own parental status in the very administration she enforces. The politics of Camille are... Yeah, anyway. that sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then there's a second one, which is unnamed. It's another sci-fi film that she has in development with Netflix, but I don't have okay. any details on that yet. Well, I mean, good for her for getting a deal with Netflix. That's right? awesome. And to have two movies in the world. Yeah. Yeah. After all that hustling, I, lo- I we'd love to see it. 
We love yeah, to see it pay good off. for her. That's so great. Yes. All right. So that's basically all I have, except that Silent Night is out now. If you want to watch it, you can check it out on Video On Demand on AMC+. And I believe it is in select theaters. So if you're not going to theaters, AMC+, get yourself a trial. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good looking out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's get into this. Let's talk about our non-spoilery thoughts about this. I have been talking a lot. So why don't you go ahead and go first and tell me what you thought of night sure so this is a little bit of a tricky one for me mm-hmm. because there are a million things that i absolutely love about this movie but it's bleak <laughs> this movie has so many great things going for it first of all it looks fantastic mm-hmm. i cannot believe that she is a first-time director because mm-hmm. this movie looks so good the script is so amazing too because all of the dialogue is so witty and funny and dark at the same time Mm -hmm. i mean it's so well written that again i can't believe that i mean i know this isn't her first script obviously you were saying she's been trying to get scripts greenlit for a while but this feels like somebody who is very seasoned you can tell she has Mm -hmm. a lot of experience with this it really shows and the cast is amazing i mean everybody is super talented they have great comedic timing and i think beyond that when a movie like this, where everybody's kind of gathering for Christmas and they're all mm-hmm. supposed to be old college friends, they have to really feel like they know each other mm-hmm. and like they have that comfort level with each other. Yeah. And this cast pulls that off really well, yeah. where there's both this level of comfort and familiarity between them, but you can still see the undercurrents of resentment or anger or whatever because they've been friends for so many years. Yeah. It's done really well. And I appreciate that in the first 20 minutes of this film, it feels really Christmassy and kind of like a Christmas version of the big chill or something, you know, where all these friends are gathering. Mm -hmm. I really, really liked that part. Now, (laughs) after that 20 minutes, it starts to get pretty dark, but I really liked that. I also, you kind of mentioned this already, but I think I I really appreciated that it at least attempts to talk about some deeper things around, you know, the climate crisis and around class issues and stuff. So I do think that it maybe doesn't go into a lot of depth with it, but it handles it well in this movie. But again, (laughs) this movie is kind of bleak and dire. And so it's hard for me to absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. even though I think it's pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think if that's that makes fair. sense. I think those are two separate things. One of them is very yeah. subjective and the other one is I can see the craftsmanship of this film and separate it from my level of did I have a good time? Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of the confusing thing too because I actually did have a good time for mm-hmm. many of these scenes, mm-hmm. but peppered throughout are scenes that are dark. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I honestly wonder if I had seen this five years ago or 10 years from now, if I would feel differently about the darkness in it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It felt too poignant right now. Yes. Yeah. I think it was Mr. Matilda <laughs> who okay. our our guest, uh, husband of our guest for the American Psycho, Psycho. episode. Yes. Who first coined the phrase 
feel bad movie of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would say, uh, you know, basically what that means is they're really good movies that also make you feel very bad. And yeah. I think that this one is definitely a contender for that spot this year, that coveted title. <laughs> 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 because like you said, the cast is fantastic and everybody who is in it, you know, things you'll see it, a really amazing actor and you're like, what are you doing in this movie? Or this is not up to your caliber of yes, performance. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. That is not true with this no. movie. The, the performances are fantastic across the board. There is not a weak link in this film. Okay? No. And there are child actors who not only are great, but steal the show. The interactions between them are some of the highlights of the film for me. Yes. Both in terms of the emotional impact of them, but also really the funny and that's because that's the other thing is this movie is very funny it's just very very dark it has (laughs) a ton of heart and a ton of humor and i think that really works in this movie's favor and it lightens it when you desperately need it but the other edge of that sword is when it hurts it hurts so much more yeah because you are genuinely invested in these characters I found myself when it started and we got, like you said, that really authentic Christmas film feeling. I found myself knowing we were going dark places and just kind of of hoping we weren't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I, I found myself wanting a version of this movie that was not, uh, I don't know. I don't totally know if I call this a horror movie, like a post-apocalyptic film, right? Yeah. Is Melancholia a horror movie? I guess it gets lumped in, but I wouldn't necessarily call it one. And I think that's true with this too. That being yeah. said, this is this is a brutal go. It's an emotionally brutal go. But yeah, I think it's because it captured all of the magic of one of those movies because it was full of these sort of quirky characters. And, and I don't know. I think that that worked both in the movie's favor because, like I said, it, you really invest, but it also... Ooh, it hurts. It hurts as the movie goes on and you start to see really where we're going. Because this movie is grim. Grim. Yeah. Once it gets towards that final act and Mm -hmm. relationships start kind of fraying at the edges and things get towards that countdown. Yeah. It gets dark. My sort of ultimate takeaway, like you, is I think... It's a tricky one to recommend because I think you have to give people the caveat of being like, this thing is really dark and it, but it's also very good. Yeah. And it's really dark because it's very good. So watch it, but make sure you have something lighter to queue up right after. <laughs> Don't try to finish this and then go decorate the right. Christmas tree, which is what I did. And it really put oh, no. a damper on the proceedings. <laughs> My partner just kept being like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, everything's Aww. great. Everything's great. <laughs> Except for everything is terrible because the world is ending. And the, the, the fireman is going to kill us all. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that would be my recommendation. I will say, regardless of how I feel in terms of how emotionally grueling this was, I will watch anything this woman makes. Yeah. I mean, this movie is so professionally made. Mm-hmm. I would have expected this from a director who's directed many movies before yeah. and with a huge budget. Yeah. Because it looks so good. It looks and fantastic. Yeah. It's very, very impressive. And again, 
I can't get over this that she wrote the script too. Yeah. Because the dialogue is so good in this. Well, I mean, if you watch interviews with her, not that yeah. surprising. She's <laughs> okay. very witty. Smart pants. Uh-huh. She has kind of a dry sort of Oh gotcha. Person. She's great. That makes sense. She's she's one of those ones where we talk about we watch the interviews and you're like, be my BFF. <laughs> she kind of reminds me a little bit of Julia de Cornell in terms oh, okay. of Yeah, but also in the way that she just has major balls. You know what I gotcha. mean? Like yes. as a filmmaker, as a mm-hmm. writer. And I love that and I respond very strongly to that, even though sometimes being that ballsy is painful as a viewer right. it's painful not in the like oh this is so bad it's painful it's painful and like oh good god this is so good it hurts yeah because i think mm-hmm. that this movie touches on some very real worries and fears and emotions and so yeah it's a little painful because it's real yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I think I think we both recommend this. And yeah. I would say yeah. there are some twists and turns. It's pretty straightforward. So if you are someone who's in the middle on spoilers, you might want to stick around. I don't know. I personally don't like any spoilers, so I would bounce, but there are some there are a few little twists along the way. So yeah, hopefully by now you're out of here because we're about to go into the spoiler <laughs> zone starting now all right ariel unleash okay (laughs) all right i'm gonna give you guys the synopsis for this movie yes start with the synopsis please (laughs) that's what i meant (laughs) because i've done this 60 times and i'm very good at it (laughs) all right so in silent night simon nell and their three kids invite all of their college friends and their family over for christmas So as people start arriving, there is mention of a pact and they seem to be short on food, but otherwise things seem normal. During dinner, however, we find out that pollution has caused a poisonous storm that kills people in a super painful way. So the government has issued people what they're calling an exit pill so they can end their lives before the deadly storm moves in. And the pact they made was to take it all together. As the night goes on, people drink and dance and fight and bring up old grievances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Art, who is Nell and Simon's oldest son, decides he doesn't want to take the pill. He runs away into the night, only for his dad to bring him back, but not before he inhales the poisonous fog. Everyone else takes the pill and dies. Spoiler. <laughs> Except for Alex, who has to be stabbed because she got drunk and puked up the pill. Oh, Alex. And then, I know. <laughs> I know. And then the very last shot lingers on Art's face as he opens his eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think about that? The very ending? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit of a predictable twist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was plans for some kind of a sequel. It seems unlikely since everybody else did die. I feel a little bit weird, if I'm honest, about the fact that it makes it seem like the scientists were wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So this is the tricky thing. This was written before COVID. 
And so people gotcha. are interpreting. Oh, right. You said it was even filmed before yes. COVID. Okay. Yes. So people are interpreting this film as an anti-vax oh. film. However, that is not what she intended with this film. Okay. Because that's unfortunately where my mind went to. Yes. Now this I feel is bad. actually meant to be a socialist film, like a pro-socialist, anti-conservative film. <laughs> Okay, so I can definitely see that, but I yeah. feel like the seeds for that needed to be planted better then. Except, that the government, yeah. except for that, you can't expect people to interpret a movie in the same way they would post COVID if it's made before COVID. But it just sucks because that baggage is there because of world events rather than right. the end of writing. Okay. So I totally see what you're saying because I don't know that my mind would have gone there before COVID. I have no idea how I would have read this film. We would have just been ago. like, yeah, don't trust the government. I mean, because don't so trust the government. I wish but... that more had been said about it being a conservative government and more had not been said about the science part of it. I mean, I think it would have been – we talked about this a lot with these environmental films before yeah. that came – you know, I mean, like yeah. uh, uh, what's the one where the – the, the girl on the boat and the parasite sea fever yeah like yeah. all these movies that were meant to be environmental horror films because right. of covid were being reinterpreted through that lens yeah, right that's true and that's i think true. all of that kind of stuff we would be talking about this as an eco horror film had covid not come around because there's all the stuff about the earth got tired of us abusing it and it spit that poison back out. Right. Like that's right. the stuff we would fixate on. But because of current events. Like, I fixated on the doctor. Of course you did. Of yeah. course you okay. did. All right. I see what I, you're saying. Listen, I'm having this. I'm. I, this comes from me having read interviews with her. My interpretation also was like, I'm very confused about what's being said by this movie. Your experience is my experience as well. I'm just like, okay. I'm trying to make it clear for the listener. <laughs> <laughs> like what no the I, mean, was. I appreciate that because mm -hmm. i yeah i wasn't sure what she intended because that seemed incongruous yeah with the rest of the things that were said during the movie yes so totally absolutely it's just kind of a bummer that her message yeah. is a little bit lost in the in yeah the, like, that is kind of sucky once you know that it's easy to kind of go back and put those pieces together like the jokes about like we should have voted yes. green right fucking conservatives there's right. i mean it's played right. for laughs and but it's yeah it's meant to like the the art character who talks about what's happening with the homeless people and undocumented people and people around the world who do not and do not have the pill to take to die with dignity right. he's sort of i think the voice of the director the thesis of the movie is coming mm -hmm. out of his mouth but he's yeah getting... i mean i love everything he's he yeah. says and mm -hmm. especially from a kid of wealthy parents because everybody in this movie is wealthy right right and i think that she's really talking about english classism yeah. yes and i definitely got that yeah. but then i think it was like overshadowed by the way I felt about that ending. So yeah. mm -hmm. I'm glad that I'm glad you read those interviews and brought that yeah. up. <laughs> that being said, the opening of his eyes bummed me out because it felt like an it felt like unnecessarily cruel. I know because he's alive now and everybody he <gasps> loves is dead. Everybody <gasps> he loves and knows is dead. I mean, I That's get that brutal. he's right, you know, but and right, there's some right. value to that. But I almost felt like this is already so. <laughs> hard to watch know, to see him come alive i was like no it's gonna be like the road now for this kid 
<laughs> okay. I love that they brought up the road and and then the complaint that it was too monochromatic. Yeah. Like I couldn't do that. It's too monochromatic. This movie, I mean truly, this movie is so funny. It really is. Yeah. Even though the characters are awful, I found myself falling a little bit in love with them. It's kind of like the really dark version of Ready or Not. It is. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I mean, all of them are kind of awful in their own unique ways. <laughs> but and even though they're not sort of fully realized characters there's not a ton of characterization for each one you do feel like you kind of know who they are mm -hmm. and you get to know them enough that you care about them yeah even when they're kind of terrible even sandra who is <laughs> she's so awful <laughs> yes oh she's terrible but you get that moment where you get backstory about yes. her that makes and then her... you feel for her mm -hmm. and i think there's a vulnerability with her you know emotionally especially in her relationship with her daughter mm -hmm. that makes you kind of feel for her. Yeah. I do like that Camille was, um, we're on a first name basis. I just, I feel weird saying last name. That's <laughs> how I write obviously. As I a, know, but it sounds a little, it sounds odd, a little odd. odd, but anyway, like I like that she is able to kind of talk about these things, but still maintains a humanity in her characters, which I yes. think it's so easy when you disagree with people to forget about their humanity, but also it's just better writing because if, Yes, I, I agree with you on a political basis, but I also need to invest in these characters in the movie. And it allows you to do that as well. So I think there's a lot right. of reasons why I think the writing on terms of the characterization is so well done. Yeah, even Lily Rose Depp's character, mm -hmm. who keeps making decisions that I disagree with. Yes, and that I frustrating don't like. decisions. <laughs> over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still feel for her because this is an awful position she's in and a terrible choice she's being forced to make. But what I you do know? think is interesting is that she's the idealistic character yeah. and versus the practical characters. And when you're in the movie, you find yourself moving to the side of practicality. Yep. But then ultimately, this idealism, it allows you to kind of like see a different perspective, right? When ultimately her idealism is correct, you're like, oh, yeah. this practicality that we're clinging to is not as practical as it appears right. to because, be outwardly. Right. Because if you if you are so practical that you forget to think critically about stuff. Or, then... or with any kind of compassion. Yeah. Or any kind of emotion. That's not good either. No, it's not. I mean, when he's talking to his son when in that scene that you were talking about where they're like sitting on the stairs and his son is asking about, well, what happens to the undocumented people? What happens to people who don't have homes that can't take this pill? And his dad's just kind of like, mm, nothing we can do about that. Right. And he's like, he, move on. He ultimately doesn't have a good answer, too. Like, his no, only answer is, no answer. it's complicated. Yeah. Which I think is revealing. Yes. I know I keep going back to this because I just, I don't know how she managed to also make it so funny. But there are some genuinely laugh out loud moments in this movie for me. I think... The interaction with all the kids pretty much every time when he's like, I just <laughs> yes, hit her. the kids are so great. They're so great. I know. Everything. I know. And I love how much Art swears too. It's it's so funny because he just doesn't give a shit mm -hmm. what his parents say at this point. He's like, you're all bullshit and the world's ending. So. And I, I loved when the, the, the 
two dads broke into the ta- Tesco to steal the <laughs> sticky toffee pudding. And they're just like, I know, they were so ah. proud of themselves. <laughs> I, those are the little touches I love. Or when they're all just like all dads commiserating out in the in the greenhouse smoking weed, medical yes. grade weed. All of those little moments are, again, they feel like they are from a true Christmas film. She manages not yeah. just to use the tropes of a Christmas film. She makes a Christmas film and then also makes this other film inside it. Right. Um, Yeah. And, you know, even when stuff starts getting really dark there mm -hmm. towards the end, there are still some really funny moments. Like when Art is refusing to take the pill and they drag him into the car and have that conversation with him. And the mom, played by Kira Knightley, just keeps yelling, shut up. And the kid's yelling, shut up. And she's uh saying, shut up. Because she's at her wit's end. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't actually have any answers for him yeah she just needs him to do what she says yeah and they end up in this like stupid ridiculous shut up argument back and forth it's very funny and same with when they're about to take the pill and the kids keep demanding the full d- coke. They want and the coke. coke. And then they're comparing the levels of the Cokes. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I and mean, the dad has to keep going back and forth up and down those stairs. It's clearly written by a mother of twins, oh, right? Like, yes. I feel like that is ripped from their lives. Those two boys require yeah. everything to be equal always. But yeah, when they're, when they're topping <laughs> off the, to take their pills, the Cokes, to make sure they get their full Coke and that it, mm. no one gets more Coke than the other. All that stuff. In that moment, it it is that quick breath of fresh that you need. Yeah. But then right up. before yeah. the knife goes Ugh, in again. I know. Uh, I know. It's br- and, and it is unflinching in terms of the emotional brutality in this movie. There's actually very little violence. I thought it was going to be much yeah. more of like a, they start hunting each other. More I of a so redding or nothing, Or a zombie thing or something. There's really yeah. only one bit of violence and it's like an act of desperation. Yeah, But to a person, every one of those deaths are brutal. Not yes. emotionally brutal, I mean. Right, yeah. right. Not violent. Yeah. No. The girl go, like refusing to hug her mom and going downstairs to get the doll and coming back and both her parents are dead. Or Lucy punches character whose name is, I have it here in front of me, I swear. Uh, oh, Bella. Realizing her partner had thrown up her pill. All that stuff yes. is so rough. And then the call to grandma. <laughs> oh, man, that got me. That call to grandma, I had tears streaming down my face. No, I told you, the back half of this movie, I was bawling. I was yeah. bawling. From the car scene where the dad admits that he's scared and starts crying, oh, Yeah, I want to cry now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rachel. This is why I do not watch dramas, girl. I'm too soft. No, me neither. I'm too soft. Me neither. I always joke about being a husk. I'm not. I'm actually a... D- no. I am... No. Oh, I have cried through movies with you. I know. You know. You, I cry during you. Aliens. I cry. I'm such a softie. <laughs> I'm such, but yeah, this is why I don't watch... This is why I don't listen to music and I don't watch dramas. Right. My right. heart can't handle it. I'm too soft. But yeah, so like I was just sobbing through the last half of this movie. I mean, that's the thing about hiring this high quality yeah. of an actor yeah. is that they are so good in the comedic moments. They all have such good timing and such good chemistry among the couples and the friends. Yes. But then they also are really good at the emotional scenes. They make you feel it. I really appreciated the Kira Knightley played against type. And true. I think Matthew Good is a very good actor, but he's always been very smarmy to me. Oh, interesting. I know he was in the game on Downton Abbey and stuff. But to me, I think the only thing I've ever really believed him in fully before this was Stoker. Okay. Uh, where he's yes. super creepy. Right. But I thought he <laughs> was 
amazing in this this is yeah, like he's the, great it was great to see this different side of him where he's kind of a suburban not suburban dad because he's very upper crusty but he's kind of a dad yeah and absolutely believable little boys and stuff yeah i just always think of him as how he is in like, the crown you know what i mean where he's mm-hmm. a fucking creep <laughs> right he's too right. handsome i just don't trust him and so it was interesting to see both him and kira knightley who play a couple in this sort of the main there it's their house right yeah kind of see a different side of them as actors and see them thrive in those roles and i have always loved kira knightley but i was like okay new reason i love her and this one i was like yeah. i am officially bought into the matthew good of it all <laughs> yeah they're fantastic mm-hmm. all of them are so great his dad moments i love in the kitchen at the beginning when both mom and the dad like in, at turns spit on the kid's wound <laughs> okay so that's one of the things i love about this movie yeah too, is the little things they seed in mm-hmm. before they give you the reveal of it's the apocalypse because i was like the one there is a sink right behind you what the fuck are you doing not cleaning this kid's right. wound properly why are you spitting in it yeah and then when you see the sort of sludge water come out as alex turns on the faucet you're like oh shit or when there's not enough food and like why are people eating bloody carrots you know what i mean right (laughs) are you that desperate for carrots right but yes they are yeah they are that desperate although god i love when bella steals the potato (laughs) when the kids look it away she's like (laughs) so good it's so good it's all (laughs) so good (sighs) which is why it's so painful (laughs) yeah when that knife starts turning dude you're like no i like movies where you're rooting for the people to die (laughs) i don't want to care when they die (laughs) right because in ready or not you're like everybody should die yeah for our main character (laughs) and it's not a case of not loving those characters i loved all those characters but they existed to die whereas this one yeah in real life these people are probably would probably be the worst but uh yeah you know <laughs> these would not be my favorite people in real life no. i mean they're all boarding school friends they're the worst right mm-hmm. but but yes this movie managed to make me care a lot about them i don't yeah. know this was a really great movie i don't think i'll ever watch it again because it's, <laughs> because it's so good at what it does that being said i cannot fault it for its execution yeah it's a weird one because of that I just know that we have a lot of friends on the Discord that watch all these movies before. I know. And I'm like, I was like, this is pretty grim, guys. <laughs> I just want to get yeah, out because so many of, of them will watch it before listening to the podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> don't do this one for Festivus. <laughs> Although, do because it's good. But also, I could have used more preparation. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe if going in, you knew that it was going to be grim. I mean, I did. I just didn't know how grim. Okay, so I did not know it was going to oh, be grim. Oh, oh no. I went in totally blind. Okay. And I was expecting a different kind oh. of movie. Oh. More of a, a dark comedy, but yeah. in a horror way where there was going to be, you know, slashery stuff or zombie stuff mm-hmm. not this kind of apocalypse right 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 right, right. yeah where it's it's more realistic mm-hmm. and way serious too, actually way mm-hmm. too realistic i mean that's the thing it's it's one of the reasons why i steer away from those near future tech dystopias it's too you fucking real this movie, <laughs> this movie is too fucking real you know yeah. it's like we're so close to this being a reality that it yeah that's something that she talked about in i think it was an interview with dread central where she was talking about Mm -hmm. how covid eventually will probably pass or something will happen we can do something about that but the world is still 
the environment is still being impacted. Yeah, we're still mm-hmm. <sighs> I was like, God. <laughs> Although I guess like <laughs> as a parent, right? You're thinking about that. This yeah, is the world absolutely. my children are inheriting. I wish more people, I wish more, I, you would think people would, I guess is a better way of thinking about it because obviously nobody gives a shit, but. Right. Right. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So overall, final recommendations. Would you recommend Silent Night? Okay, so here are the two things I would say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is pretty fantastic in many, many ways, mm-hmm. but it is also bleak as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so be prepared for that. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is that if you are watching this movie to scratch that Christmas horror itch, mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to do it for you okay. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you think of Christmas horror, it's a, it's a little more fun than this Mm -hmm. and maybe a little sillier or something i think there's too much seriousness in here for what i would go into a christmas horror expecting Mm -hmm. so that would be my caveat but again it's such a good movie you probably should watch it yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think i mean we've talked about at length about it being pretty dark so i don't think we need to go i don't need to go into that again i will say i feel like whether or not you're up for the bleakness if you're listening to the show, you probably have some degree of, of uh, investment in women direct horror directors, right? I'd like to believe that that's true. And yeah. I feel like she is an emerging voice and this is your opportunity to get in at the ground floor. So I would say prepare yourself, brace yourself, have the best time possible and enjoy all the laughs, much like life itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a bleak movie with a candy coating of feel-good Christmassy yes. stuff. And <laughs> genuinely great dark comedy. Yes. But I think she is a director who's going to do interesting things. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna have to circle back to this anyway. So you might as well watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. So that is our thoughts on Silent Night. Check it out. Video on demand on AMC Plus or in some select theaters if you're fancy and boosted okay and you're not worried about omicron which is a <laughs> wild name for <laughs> omicron i know yeah i just think about i know it's not omicron but it sounds just very similar to the name of the giant planet eating transformer villain <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway <my> God. <laughs> whatever so dark. unicron okay so let's get into our other stuff okay we don't have any listener mail this time however if you want to drop us a line you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com that's g-r-r-l-z or you can come chat with us over on the zombie girls facebook page or you can follow us on instagram and twitter at zg podcasts plural if you love the show Please do us a big old Christmas favor. Give us the Christmas gift of a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. And if you're looking for something spooky tonight, maybe a Krampus themed film or elves or something. I don't know. There's got to be some creepy Christmas stuff going on right now. Come check out our video on demand and streaming calendar over on the Zombie Girls website. And uh, yeah, click through. We're in a movie. Have a good time. And if you are looking for that very special something to put under the christmas tree this year you couldn't do worse or better worse i don't know whatever that saying is you should definitely check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch we got the shirts we got the coats we got coffee mugs and magnets (laughs) and stickers and whatever else they got over there check it out and if you love us and want to support us you can do so by supporting us on 
Patreon. When you are a patron, all of our episodes come a day early. And also at the right tier, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. You get every episode on the, the network is extended. This time we're going to be talking about other Christmas horror movies. Yeah. So like maybe this one was your, your cup of tea. Maybe you want something different, but you're not sure which one, what, what's, what's the wheat? What's the chaff? We're going to set you straight on that. We'll get you, get you all set on that front in our extended episode. And uh, we also have some really fun stuff planned for 2022. It's our end of year. Ariel and I are cooking up some ideas. Some special extra new perks coming in 2022, so stay tuned for those. All right, so that is it for all the plugs, I think. All we have left is to figure out what our plan is for the next episode. Now, Ariel, you are in the driver's seat. What are we watching on the next episode? Okay, we are going to be watching a movie called Witch Hunt that came out earlier this year. uh, This has been on our radar for a long time. Yeah, and I know that Matilda liked it a lot, so... Uh I don't know. We'll see. So if it's bad, it's her fault. Everybody send your hate mail to her. Yeah, blame her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is written and directed by Elle Callahan. Uh Uh-huh. And it is about in a modern America where witches are real and witchcraft is illegal, a sheltered teenager must face her own demons and prejudices as she helps two young witches avoid law enforcement. Sounds pretty great. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool. So, and I loved Headcount, which was her other movie, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> I knew that name sounded familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the director of Headcount. That was one of those super fun surprises yeah, early on in the movie. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Right. Now are you more hype? <laughs> yes. I had totally forgotten that. I was like, that name sounds familiar. I'll look it up later when I do Were you like, research. what are you talking about when I was like, this has been on our radar for a while? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because we talked about it when we reviewed that movie. That was like the, you know, it was like, this is what they're doing yeah, next. This is that yep, movie yep. she was doing next. My brain is a sieve. I don't Dude, know what to tell you. I know what you mean. I hear you 100%. The fact that I was able to pull that out of my ass is miraculous. It, it's a Christmas miracle. See? Don't let... Don't let people tell you otherwise. Christmas is a magical time of year. I can even remember things. So... All right, cool. So everybody watch Witch Hunt, and we'll see you in two weeks. Unless you're sticking around for the extended episode, that's it for us. So Ariel, take us out. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We hope you enjoyed us talking about this delightfully bleak movie, Silent Night. And we'll be back here in two weeks for Witch Hunt. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. I'm obsessed with Lucy Punch. Now I want to see everything she's in. She's so oh good. Oh my god, this. she's so good. Yeah, she's great. Oh, <laughs> so funny. Thanks everybody for listening and to my co-host and good friend Ariel for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Shark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode of More Deadly, where we're going to be talking Christmas movies. We're staying on theme tonight. Um, yeah. Because I think probably as great as Silent Night is, it's not everybody's holiday cup of tea. Right. Or cyanide <laughs> pill or whatever it is. <laughs> so you are in charge of the extended episode tonight. Tell me about what we're going to be doing. So super casual. We're just going to talk about some of our favorite Christmas horror movies. Okay. That sounds fun. I like Christmas horror movies. <laughs> I don't know if you
knows that I'm a horror fan. I know it's shocking. And a Christmas fan. And a, just a dad. You're right. It is kind of the chocolate and peanut butter for me. Where you're like, delicious separate. But when you put them together, <laughs> magic happens. How do you feel about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Um, I used to love them. Oh, no. I when I was a kid. This is not going where I thought it would. Now I only really like the holiday ones. I was going to say, but the holiday ones are the best ones, right? Yes, the holiday ones are the best ones because the peanut butter is creamier and so is the chocolate. On the regular ones, the chocolate is so waxy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not turning down any cup or any Reese's cup <laughs> situation. It could be in the shape of a duck or a cup or a, a butthole. I don't care. I will eat it. It's delicious. Um, but you're right that the superior version of that yes. is a tree, an Easter egg, what other holidays? A pumpkin. A pumpkin which basically, I think yeah. they're all pretty much the exact same shape. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when those ho- those holiday ones, whoo, those mm, are tempting. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Now, and I'm hungry, so this is probably a bad. I know me too. Bad road to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite holiday candy? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that I have a favorite holiday candy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My grandmother's fudge. Ooh, I love fudge. Fudge is really, really good. And my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, used to make amazing fudge. And then a couple of years ago, I got the recipe from one of my cousins mm-hmm. and remade it for my dad because he hadn't we hadn't had it, you know, for yeah. 15 years or something uh-huh. since my grandmother passed. And it was so good. Oh, it's the best. It so my mom used to make fudge every year at Christmas. I haven't had it in years. And this is the year that I'm determined to like celebrate in every way. So I'm wondering if I'm going to have to try to my hand at fudge. We all know I'm a terrible baker. So this might be. (laughs) Well, what I would say if you're going to tackle it is to use one of the easier recipes and not the old school one like I did. Because what I did not take into account is that my grandma is from Montana Uh and the altitude is very very different Uh... and that makes a huge difference when you're making candy oh so i made two batches before i got it right oh geez (laughs) the third dry and another shopping trip later i finally got it down (laughs) okay that's good to know i will tell you that anytime i'm looking up a recipe the first word i type in is easy easy (laughs) i've never like if there is like more than 10 ingredients i'm like i'm out I guess I'm not eating that. <laughs> so one year uh, for Christmas, we went to stay at my grandma's uh, to have like a white Christmas in Montana. And my grandma made three pounds of fudge Amazing. because she used to have this big Christmas party every year for the whole like extended family. Amazing. And they were sitting on the counter and she goes into the kitchen and the fudge is gone. What? It's been devoured. By a dog? oh no so my grandmother thinks that my brother had done it oh, my little brother no! and so she starts yelling at my little brother because she was i think she was just so tired yeah. from cooking and baking all day uh-huh. <laughs> she bet. starts yelling at him my dad starts yelling at my grandma about like how dare you try to discipline my son like this and then my aunt's beagle walks into the living room in the middle of the fight and just pukes up fudge (laughs) when you said three pounds of fudge were gone in a minute i was like that's a dog that's a greedy ass dog (laughs) oh yeah and that's like so bad for them no wonder it threw up everywhere although yes i mean luckily it did it was fine (laughs) jeez louise yeah okay do you have a favorite Um, christmas cookie oh that's a good question i'm not 
that big of a fan of sugar cookies. Okay. If I'm honest. Oh my gosh. Everybody makes them for Christmas. But they just always have that really sweet frosting on them. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Def- I just, it's too sweet. Okay. Okay. Too sweet. Okay. All right. Well, do you have one you like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, my grandma used to, along with the fudge, make a ton of different types of Christmas cookies. Uh-huh. And there was one that was covered in powdered sugar that was really good, mm. but I don't remember what it was it's called. It's probably my favorite, the Russian tea cake. Oh, yep. That's what it was. It's Uh just like butter and powdered sugar. It's so good. (laughs) So I love Russian tea cakes. I make those. Well, not every Christmas, but I try to make them every Christmas. And then my mom used to make these things called bourbon balls that I could only ever have one in because they're not baked. They were like basically crumbs (laughs) and I don't know. Raw alcohol. And (laughs) a shit ton of bourbon. (laughs) 